0: Oh my goodness. Some people have too much time on their hands, don't they? <laughs> well, I am uh, glad that you joined us for our final week in Fixer Upper family. want to welcome those watching in uh, Bothell, Duval, Issaquan online as well. Uh, really, as you think about Fixer Upper, maybe you think of that show, uh, Fixer Upper. Have any of you seen that show? Yeah, and any of you addicted to those like Uh, flip that house, fixer-upper, all of those kind of things. Any of you watch, like, would say a couple times a month or more, a couple times a week or more? Wow, there's a lot of you uh, in that category. My wife and I actually used to uh, fix up homes. Uh, Initially, we would buy them and live in them, and then every once in a while, we'd just buy them and fix them up. We did this for a number of years. Uh, Now, I'm a pretty frugal guy, and when we were in Santa Barbara in particular, uh, we would uh, buy an older home, we would live in it as we renovated it, and then we would buy our next home. Uh, We realized that this was causing some problems for my daughter, my oldest daughter, uh, who was our only daughter at the time. uh, She started to have a backpack with all her stuff in it, and would carry it with her everywhere she went. And we realized, you know, this may be causing some future psychological problems uh, for our daughter. I I didn't even connect the dots until uh, a while later that we were going down. We stopped moving around. We just lived in one place for a while. We were driving down the freeway in Santa Barbara, and my daughter had her backpack still with her. She rolled down the window, and then she threw it out. She's like, I don't need this anymore, and I'm going to be okay. And so what we're going to really look at, though, is not uh, families that, ne- that cause you know uh, problems to be fixed up, but how God can fix up uh, our family, and especially when it comes to areas where we wish we could have done uh, a little bit better. I I was uh, at the gym the other day, and I saw, you know, someone working out. Well, lots of people working out. There was this guy, and, you know, he had this new, like, big perfect tattoo and all of that. And uh, probably a younger guy in his early 20s. And I was thinking, that looks like a cool tattoo. The problem is, the canvas will not look as good, uh, uh, you know, maybe 10 or 20 or 30 years from now. And I, so I started looking up uh, images on the internet of, of bad canvases. They were so horrific, I cannot show those in church. Uh, so instead, uh, I was thinking about uh, some of the spelling abilities of tattoo artists. I thought this was sort of funny. That too cool for school, yeah. <laughs> and then you can let. Okay, yeah. I'm awesome. That's great. And then uh, this one I liked. No regret. <laughs> and then, yeah, regret or regret nahi. <laughs> So you think about that, and it's sort of funny how much you would regret having one of those, and that's what we're really looking at today. We're looking at uh, this, this area of our life that we wouldn't want to consider too much, and those are some of the regrets that we can have uh, when it comes to family, and I think, honestly, this will probably be one of the most important messages I've ever given on family um, as we look uh, not only God's plan for our families, but how to avoid some train wrecks along the way, and honestly, how to get out of some of the ones uh, that, that we may be in right now. In Proverbs 24.3, it says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Uh, that, that God uh, gives us the ability to build a strong life, a strong home, uh, but it doesn't happen intuitively. And in fact, left to our own best guess, we're often going to get it wrong. Uh, now, some of us, we would say, you know, okay, if it's going to be that much work, why even bother? Because God's plan for us, for our growth, for our life uh, with Him is to be lived with others. In fact, it says in uh, Psalm 68, 6, God sets the lonely in families. Uh, and, and family is God's provision. Some of you thought it was God's punishment, but it's not. Uh, family is really God's provision, and it can look different. Now, I'm not just talking about your immediate family. I'm talking about extended family. Uh, whatever that looks like for you, know that, that we were meant to live in community. Now, my wife and I, uh, as I shared, we used to buy and fix up houses, and uh, in fact, we've never lived in one house very long because I always like to say, okay, let's go to the next one, and if there's an opportunity to do that. Uh, we've lived in our home for about six years now, and so uh, some things are starting to fall apart a little bit, and so uh, not, not, everyth- not anything big, And so I started doing what I usually do is I started looking at homes for sale Uh, because it's, aren't those, you ever see those homes, those new home developments in the flags are waving you in, you know? And then uh, I didn't realize just how much uh, real estate has gone up, uh, which made me feel rich except for now I can't afford the new house either. And I was thinking, well, maybe what I need to do is just uh, do some repairs on the house I have. I mean, obviously, that just makes sense. It's a lot easier than starting over again. And my contention would be this, is that the, doing the repair work is really the best work we can do when it comes to family. Now, as I say that, I know you might say, well, what if the other person... Doesn't want to do that. No, it doesn't have to be 50 50, but in some ways, uh, there has to be some effort on both ends. Well, let's consider, though, what that effort looks like. But before we get there, what happens if we don't do that? Well, first, problems get worse. Uh, Avoiding dealing with problems not only delays pain for another day, it intensifies it and makes it worse. You ever have a little problem that becomes a big problem? I'm not talking about your kids either. <laughs> I'm talking about those things that we have in life. My, I was down last weekend. Uh, I was uh, down at Disneyland with my family, and we were there. It rained, torrential rain, the first day we were down there. And so uh, my wife and my daughter said, hey, why don't we go shopping? And so I went along, and they went into this store. I think it's called Lush. It's, uh, are you familiar with, anyone familiar with that store? Yeah, some of you, yeah. It's a store where I, I guess you, you like spend $75 for a bar of soap and that's a good deal or something. And uh, it had all these different Potions and lotions and things, and it's supposed to be wonderful. Well, believe it or not, I got a little bit bored in a store like this because I don't usually buy expensive soaps and all of that kind of thing. Uh, so I was just wandering around the store, uh, checking, you know, the samples of things. I wasn't gonna used most of them. Finally, I came across some lotion. I thought, oh, my hands are a little bit dry. I'll put some lotion. So I put some lotion on, but I put a little bit too much, and it got on my Seahawks sweatshirt, which I didn't like. Uh, And so then I'm like, oh, it's all over my hands. And I did what any good man would do in that case. I didn't grab a towel. What do you do? My jeans. I just rubbed it all over my jeans And uh, so that was good. And then I just rubbed it in there. The only thing I didn't see, because I've never had lotion that had this before, embedded in this lotion was pink glitter. (laughs) Did I tell you this was the only pair of jeans I brought to California? And the only sweatshirt. And so I had pink glitter on me the entire time. Made a lot of new friends. It was amazing. (laughs) Uh, uh, You know... How many problems, seriously, though, as we think about ours, have we just uh, tried to cover up to to try and make go away instead of deal with them head on? Also, joy is deferred. We, We want joy, right? I hope. If you want it sooner than later, then it means investing the time now in family and in doing the hard work. Uh, Psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud, uh, he he says, later is a drug, we're addicted to later. We say, I'll just deal with it later, and later never comes around. Also uh, tension is inevitable. That if we don't do the major repair works, uh, that there's increased tension. You know it. You know it when you maybe go home and you're with extended family during the holidays and there's a tension that's there that's always been there over the years. You you know what that's like uh, when you come home from work or maybe when the kids come home from school. And number four, you get stuck. Well, what does that look like to, to get stuck in that? What does that look like and how that plays out? Uh, I want to look at an account in the Bible that I think you're going to definitely be able to identify the problem that's there. And maybe in your own life, you can see some problems to avoid or maybe the ones that you're stuck in right now, and and a way out that God would have for you. We're going to look at uh, King David, who great hero of the Old Testament and a relationship he had with his son now it could be any relationship but we see this relationship with his son absalom and in a way it's a cautionary tale about four years ago i looked at a different portion of this story but today this is the one i want to focus on if you're going to ask david regrets he had in his life i think he would say there were two major regrets he would have had is how he handled the sexuality and how he handled his family. Uh, Many many of us today, those can be the areas of regret as well. He was a guy who did well at work, but at home, it was a mess. And and David rarely was defeated in any way on the battlefield by his political enemies. But it seemed that every, every major setback he had in his life always had to do with his family life, that what he'd worked so hard to accomplish in the workplace would sometimes fall apart when it came to home. Well, let me give you a little background to the story, and bear with me because I'm going to spend a lot of time uh, or a little bit of time on this because it's a a complex story that I think that that we can uh, get. What happened is David had sons and daughters. His daughter uh, Tamar was attacked by one of his sons. Horrible thing happens and and she is there and she's despondent. And the first one on the scene is her brother Absalom. And Absalom is like, well, don't worry. We're going to wait till dad gets home. Dad is going to make this right. Dad is going to take care of it. And, and David, he does come back. And, and, and Tamar, she's not going to suffer in silence. She is not going to be a silent victim because she knows who she is. Her dad is the king. Of course he's going to be there and protect her. But David, he comes back, and it says in the Scripture that David, he heard about what went on, and he was furious. He was furious, but he really didn't do anything. And we don't know why David did what he did. It may have been some of his own failures in areas like this in his life. But what happened is there was this reservoir of resentment that built up. Absalom, who was there for his his sister, he was angry. And a couple years later, Tamar and Absalom, they kill Amnon, his brother who had attacked Tamar. And, And David... Uh, he's the king. He has to administer justice, but it's his son. And so at, what he does is he, he banishes his son, and uh, he decides that he just won't see his, his son again. Well, his military leaders, they, uh, they say, hey, you know, he was, he was acting out a rage, and, and they, because of the situation, they say, it's time to allow your son to come back home. And so he comes back home, and David makes a decision. Uh, He makes a decision that he can live in the same town, but they're not going to be in relationship anymore. And here's what I want you to get right here, is there were many points along the way where David could have acted, where David could have said, hey, this has gone too far, It could have been with his daughter Tamar. It could have been uh, after uh, his son had acted out in violence. Well, he never acted, and things continued to get worse. And this is where we read uh, in 2 Samuel uh, 15, 2. It says this about uh, Absalom. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king uh, for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, what town are you from? He would answer, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, if only I were appointed judge in the land. Then everyone who has a complaint or case could come to me, and I would uh, see that they receive justice. So what's he doing? He's undermining his father and he's undermining his rule uh, as king. And we see what the result was, 2 Samuel fifteen six it, that he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. And at that point, he rebels against his father and uh, David has a decision. Is he going to use his considerable skills as a political and military leader against his son? Or is he going to finally talk to his son and say, this has gone too far? He does nothing. We read what happens in 2 Samuel eighteen five: is that uh, 10 of Joab's armor bearers, this is the leader of his military, surround Absalom, struck him and killed him. And David, how does he respond? He's heartbroken. It says, Then the king was shaken. He went to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom. If I had only died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. It's interesting that David never calls Absalom his son until it's too late. Until not only the relationship is gone, until his son
1: is gone. It's a cheery little story, isn't it? The reality is, there's so many
0: places it could have gone differently. And and I, and I say this because I want it to go differently for you. If you're alive and you're breathing, there's an opportunity you have today. But the key idea in this is that my decisions have a destination. My decisions are leading me somewhere. My decisions are leading the relationship somewhere. See, we don't want those regrets, neither uh, did David. Uh, We want the opportunity to take the exit down the path when one is available to us. So how can we do that? If David was going to say to us today, hey, this is the regret I had, and we know he had the regret, what would he say to us? Uh, I think we find in Scripture and some guidance on this and how, how you and I, can maybe not only operate differently next time, but maybe operate differently this time. Because as we've talked about fixer-upper family, unless we do the work of fixing up, then this series has just been some good principles, maybe a little bit of entertainment. But my prayer is that it makes a difference in your life. Well, how to avoid regret with your family? Uh... Number one, we need to ask the question. Now, the, asking good questions, any good psychologist would tell you or a communicator, they have to ask good questions. But I, what I mean is the question. If there's a situation, there's the question that you need to ask. If, if you're married, you know what I mean. You can, there can be tension in a household, and uh, you can ask, Questions, oh, how was your day? Did anything go wrong? But then there's the question. Did I do something to offend you? Or maybe you know what it is. And say, how can I earn my way back to earn your trust again? Or maybe for a kid who's, you know something's going on. Uh, and by the way, uh, I know we have you know, students here Parents know. We know when something's going on. Uh, we just don't always ask the question. It's important because otherwise uh, we just let our imagination run, run wild. So It's sort of funny as I was thinking about this, literally this just happened Friday. I was in my office, and uh, I have an office with a big window, so anyone... Uh, can, you know, look in from the hallway, and that's just sort of important for accountability and all of that kind of stuff. Well, it was at the end of the day Friday, and I drink coffee, and I love uh, coffee, and I put this, like, sugar-free chocolate syrup in my coffee, and uh, so it just makes it uh, all that much better. Well, I, I was getting to go, getting ready to go home, and I was sitting there drinking the coffee. I actually was reading something, had my feet up on the desk, and there was just a little bit left in the, Chocolate syrup bottle. And I know this is going to make you think less of me, but I thought it would be a very good idea to take a swig of that chocolate syrup. <laughs> uh, well, you know, that that's not that bad, but literally, as I'm sitting there grabbing this bottle, taking the swig, someone sort of peeks in my window and then run, like literally runs away. <laughs> and uh, so I, I I I I tried to figure out who it was. Uh, found out later what it, what had happened uh, when that person saw me. That she said that she thought that I was sitting back there drinking a beer in my office. <laughs> uh, fortunately, she asked the question of someone: Is Pastor Ben getting drunk in his office? Uh, and they said no. He just drinks chocolate syrup, which (laughs) all of a sudden seemed a little bit less weird at this point.
1: (laughs) Now I'm having a lot of fun with this. If David had only asked a question to Absalom, "Why, why are you still so mad? I think they could have been reconciled. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 24, go and be reconciled. That's the marching
0: orders. Now, especially if you're a Christ follower. But By the way, if you're not a Christ follower, you don't have to do this, but your life won't go very well if you don't. This is one of those principles that applies to people who are Christians and maybe for those of us who have not crossed the line of faith yet. But we need to ask the question. And then that leads to number two, start or finish the conversation. When his son Absalom acted out in anger against uh, his brother, the attacker of his sister, David didn't talk to his son anymore. Uh, as I said, we, we read uh, in 2 Samuel uh, fourteen twenty four 24, uh, this, But the king David said, he must go to his own house and he must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and he did not see the face of the king. And so what what he did is he thought he was solving the problem, but he was making it worse. We're told in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. So the question I was asking as I prepared this is, what difficult conversation have I been avoiding? What difficult conversation have you been avoiding? Maybe it's a spouse that's growing colder towards you, and you're afraid if you ask the question, it'll get worse. Maybe it's a, a, a child
1: who is up to something, and, and you just need to say, hey, we need to sit down and talk for a moment. Maybe it's a sibling
0: who avoids contact with you and always has an excuse for why they're not there at the family event.
1: You have an opportunity today, and that opportunity may not be there tomorrow.
0: That leads to number three. Don't leave love on the table. One of uh, the saddest parts of the story we have here uh, and we get a glimpse of David's heart along the way. See, David didn't want it to be this way. He, I don't know what held him back. I don't know if he was afraid of what other people would think. I don't know if he didn't have the skills to have the conversation. But we we read this in 2 Samuel 13, 38 through 39. It says, after Absalom fled and went to Geshur, he stayed there three years. And the king and King David longed to go to Absalom. He wanted to start, he continue the conversation, but he chose not to. David loved his son, but he didn't communicate it to him. His men knew it but the problem is Absalom didn't know it. And the result was he became more and more bitter and eventually he betrayed him. I think if you would have asked David, what would you do differently? He said, I would have swallowed my pride and made the move. I think uh, we understand that when someone makes that move of love, that is it's powerful. And in fact, uh, 1 Peter 4.8, I, I love this verse. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Gary Chapman, who uh, uh, wrote the book, The Five Love Languages, he talks about as well about a love bank that we have. Uh, other authors have talked about it as well. And if there's not some deposits in that love bank, then when the withdrawals come, and they will come in any relationship, that we, we just don't want to go bankrupt in that area. Part of that is putting the past in the past. You know, it's sort of that thing that you play over and over again in the, in the DVR of your mind. Uh, maybe there's something that, that you just, you can't help it. And, and there's something that comes up again, and it, and it just is... It gets you going or, or you shut down. And you may not be able to control that, but you know what you can do? It's just like a, a real DVR. You can press pause or stop and say, I'm not going to entertain that anymore. Maybe it's a little bit of house cleaning in that area uh, of your life. I, I, I shared, as I shared, we were, you know, were sort of doing some stuff around the house. Uh, lately, and I was uh, looking online and even finding books that uh, talk about how to reorganize and redo your house. There's one book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering. Uh, have any of you actually read that book? Okay, uh, okay. no, not many. You must be pretty messy. So the, uh, <laughs> but uh, in this book, it's pretty I- I- interesting. Uh, that part of this is you're supposed to go through your house and, and take out each item, and you're supposed to speak to each item. And you go and you say, do you cause me to have joy? You're supposed to ask each item that. And uh, if the answer is uh, yes, you keep it. If the answer is no, you get rid of it. If I did that, all I would have is my Keurig and my dog Jack, I think. Uh, <laughs> And my family, of course. So the, <laughs> but the, the idea is, does this,
1: do you cause me to have joy? Think about that when it comes to your family. Maybe
0: for you, you're the offended. And you have a right to your offense. Can I, I really want to press in on this. Go ahead and entertainment, but ask it the question, sort of weird, do you cause me to have joy holding on this? You might say, I can't let go. Yes, you can. Absolutely. It won't. It may not be easy. You may have to go through this numbers of time. And it's hard because pride keeps us from that. You say, well, you know, maybe there's a, a battle and it was 80% them and 20% me and, and
1: I was wrong, but they were wronger or something like that. does it cause me to have joy? There's another way that's suggested in the Scripture. James
0: 5.16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other
1: and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You say, that's what I want. That's what I, I don't want to live a life of regret. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Number five, put Jesus first. You know, oftentimes I'll talk about
0: inviting Jesus into your life, which is really how we uh, become Christ followers. But part of it is... Jesus inviting you into his life. And that's a life with no regret.
1: And that's a life where forgiveness is offered and received. King David at another point in his life where he had messed up before,
0: and he got it right, though, this time. is after he had messed up terribly. Uh, He prayed this in Psalm 51.10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, will you do a work in my heart? You think about it, uh, for a heart transplant, which I just find amazing that they can do that, is that someone has to die with a perfect heart. And this is, the analogy holds here. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what we celebrate this week. That Jesus entered into Jerusalem triumphantly on Palm Sunday. But that he would go to a, a cross and he would pay the price so that you wouldn't have to, so that I wouldn't have to, so that we could have a new heart. Says in uh, Ezekiel. Uh, 36, 26, God's promise, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you
1: your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I think as we uh, look at our families, we can say, God, I just want that. I want, I, the, the one
0: thing I know is that if you work in my heart, that's the only thing I can control. And maybe for you, it would be, Jesus, I want to give you my heart. Maybe you've uh, never done that before. Or maybe for you, you say, I've given Jesus my heart. But Man, you know, I've tried to fix everything with my family, maybe my friends, but I've never really said, hey, this is my faith. This is the one who has transformed me. Jesus Christ. Maybe it's uh, during uh, Easter next week and across the campuses, I think we have a a dozen different services. And you'd use the invite and you'd say, hey, why don't you come to church with me and people sort of come this time of year and we'll have a a, a great message. It's going to be one that's, I think, going to encourage and inspire hopefully all of us.
1: But really the ultimate goal is that God would get a hold of our hearts. Uh, this, this weekend,
0: uh, we're having baptisms uh, in many of uh, our services on the different campuses. And uh, it's great to hear the stories of the people uh, being baptized. And I want you just to hear one of those stories.